My friends, I don't know about you, but it seems that we're having a sort of deja vu kind of moments like we've heard this gospel before, this message of God's call recently. Well, we have, in fact, these past two weeks in a row, we've heard the account of the calling of Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Last Sunday, of course, in John's gospel, and today we get Mark's account. For two weeks, the first reading has also focused on God's call. Last Sunday, we heard Samuel's call, and this Sunday, we hear the call of Jonah. And this repetition, all this snow we've had this past week reminded me of a classic movie from 1993, uh, Bill Murray and Andy McDowell in Groundhog Day. You know, Murray plays a uh, self-absorbed, cynical TV weatherman. He was sent to Puxantani, uh, Pennsylvania, and he is uh, caught in a snow uh, event, but he's also caught in a time loop. And he keeps repeating what he thinks is this miserable day in this miserable place, this February 2nd. He just repeats it day after day after day. You know, at first he deals with his boredom in sort of hedonistic ways. He seeks pleasure in food and cigarettes and alcohol. He sets his sights on Andy McDowell's character. He, his lower passions take control of him. This is not pure love, of course. But he learns to play the piano. Remember, he learns to make ice sculptures. And he begins to uh, even do charitable acts, all to try to impress her. But his efforts fail. Each time they end with a slap in the face. And he gives up. He uh, begins to get really depressed and even uh, resorts to stealing the road. And he steals Puxatani Phil. And then uh, a homeless man, an old homeless man, dies. And despite Murray's uh, efforts to try to save him, he uh, fails eventually learns to start thinking of others instead of himself. He's given the gift, the gift of repeating the same day over and over again until he understands, until he discovers its purpose, to love God and to love his neighbor. You know, I think a lot of people can relate to this sort of being stuck uh, situation that Murray found himself in. Many, I do think, feel kind of trapped in the routine of jobs they don't like. Perhaps in circumstances they feel are really beyond their control. Many begin to, stuck in this cycle, begin to even resent their lives, become glass half empty sort of people, stuck in a place and every day is exactly the same, and nothing they do seems to matter. They get by fine, but they're really not that happy, are they? They are so unfulfilled, and they feel lost. Perhaps they feel difficulty time uh, connecting with other human persons because they truly do not know themselves, trapped in an ever-repeating, seemingly meaningless life. You know, Groundhog's Day is a story, really, of a cursed man who discovers 
redemption. It's about free will and the movement of God's grace. It's about God's pursuit of the human person. Ultimately, I think Groundhog Day is our story, isn't it? Because every one of our stories began in the same way, in slavery, in misery, stuck in the cycle of sin. Our stories all began that way. And then through grace, perhaps in a baptismal font right here in the back of our church, we discover freedom, we discover joy, we discover that at the font of baptism and in living out the sacramental life, the church. And we discover our true selves, that we are beloved sons or daughters of the Heavenly Father, and we are escaping that seemingly endless spiral of life in the world. Today, through God's extraordinary grace, we are once again, like we are at every single Mass, stuck in a time loop. Today we have the extra grace of being stuck in the time loop of the word in the gospel. We are getting another opportunity to meditate on God's call. And in light of the reality that today is also the Word of God Sunday, I think it would be helpful for us to uh, practice uh, meditation using the technique given to us by St. Ignatius. To enter into the scene these scenes of these last two Sundays call and allow our senses to kind of take over and to really imagine the scene. So if you're comfortable, simply close your eyes and allow me to guide you through a little meditation. What does this scene look like? What does it look like as Jesus and his disciples, you among them, walk along the Sea of Galilee? What does it sound like? Are we having a little ripples of the waves? Or is it more a, uh, more a windy day and they're pounding of the waves on the shore? Can you feel the rocky ground underneath your feet? Can you smell the fish and taste the salty air? Now imagine your encounter with the Lord. Last Sunday's Gospel, John the Baptist pointed him out to us. He says, behold, behold the Lamb of God. Where do you remain in this scene? Where are you drawing your life in this scene? Are you following him closely? Or is there something that you hesitate? You're falling back a bit. What holds you back from the Lord? And then Jesus turns, and time really stops as he locks eyes with you. And he gazes to your inner soul. He sees the very heart of your being. And he asks you a simple question. What are you looking for? And as time continues to sort of hover there, you're stopped, you don't know what to say, words escape you, you simply mumble the words, where are you staying? And the Lord invites, come and you will see. He invites, how are you experiencing this invitation? How are you experiencing the invitation into the interlife 
of the Trinity. Today, Jesus is back. He's back, and he calls us even deeper and reminds us this, this day is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. My friends, as we end this uh, really brief meditation, I think we're being reminded, I know we're being reminded, there is a sort of uh, urgency in the readings today, isn't there? Paul's telling us, time is running out. And that invitation continues. We hear, come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. No doubt, having kept that first encounter close to their hearts and minds, the apostles respond. They answer the call. Peter and Andrew abandon their nets immediately. James and John, they leave their father. They leave their job and all the comforts it affords them. They leave it all behind. We too, my friends, are being called right here, right now, this holy mass in the heart of rest and called to push those chips across the table, called to go to Vegas and say, Lord, right now, I am all in. You know, perhaps there are some here like Jonah in today's first reading. We miss a really good, exciting part, the first part of the story, right? The call where the Lord asks something of Jonah and he says, no, I have other plans. I don't want to do what you've asked for me. He was a hesitant prophet. He was called to bring the good news, the good news to his bitter enemy in Nineveh. And he ran for this call. He literally went the other way. He got in a boat. We know the story. Storm, he's thrown over the side, he gets swallowed by the fish and vomited onto the shore. And this is where we pick up the story here today. He's called again. And this time he responds. God pursued. God persevered. God ultimately prevailed. My friends, perhaps we're not running from God's call, but many of us are running sideways from it, not fully embracing what the Lord is asking of us. And sometimes I think we make life a lot more complicated than it has to be, a lot more difficult than he wants it to be. Could some of our problems in our lives be avoided if we simply moved forward in total trust, moved forward abandoning ourselves to divine providence, abandoning ourselves to grace and embracing our call in total trust and in hope for whatever God has planned for us. His call, of course, to holiness, his call for us to become saints, and in the particular way in which he desires to bring us to him in heaven or simply his call to prayer or living the sacramental life of the church. His desire for intimacy is strong. He desires that intimate conversation with us each day along the Sea of Galilee. Never underestimate, my friends, God's grace. Never underestimate his determination for intimacy with each of us. He never stops pursuing Jonah. He will never pursue, stop pursuing each of us. He will never stop offering his abundant grace, his abundant love and mercy to each of us. You know, I do think it's easy to look around our very troubled country and even our troubled church at times and be overwhelmed by all that needs to be done. 
And we say perhaps in our, in, in, uh, our conversation with ourselves, you know what, I'm a hot mess. There's no way that I could possibly help another find Jesus. How can I help him solve the world's very complex problems and help bring about his kingdom? Well, we simply have to look to the story of Jonah in the first reading. We see how little Jonah actually had to do himself. It says he had gone but a single day's walk, and this very large city was completely converted. He simply had to do what God was asking of him. God chooses, my friends, to use every single one of us here in this church to bring about peace and joy, to bring about his kingdom. And he makes up for our weakness. In fact, in our weakness, we are made strong through God's extraordinary grace. Imagine what our world would be like literally overnight if everyone embraced the reality of God's call for each of us. There is no limit to God's grace. God turned Paul, a murderer, a persecutor of the early church, into one of the church's greatest saints. He can certainly turn us, perhaps aimless souls at times, he can turn all of us into extraordinary instruments of his love and mercy in a world that so desperately needs it. Ultimately, he can turn each of us into who he has called us to be, his beloved sons or daughters. He's called each of us to be canonizable saints. Perhaps each of us can simply turn to the Lord like the psalmist in today's readings. Do that right now here in the pews and ask him to teach me your ways, O Lord. Make your ways known to me. Guide me in truth. My friends, God is inviting us to him. He's inviting us right now into the inner life of the Trinity. He's always extending this invitation. He wants us. He desires us. So let us all set out and meet him right here in this Holy Mass, meeting him in the word, meeting him, of course, in the sacrament, meeting him here in this beautiful community of faith. For Bill Murray's character was allowed to be exiled from his normal life so he could discover that he was really exiled from his true self. Exile, he was exiling himself from his very being. He wasn't in reality a self-absorbed, cynical TV weatherman. That was not his identity. Yet he has spent his whole life embracing the lie. His core identity is Jesus Christ, as our core identity is also Jesus Christ. God used the snow that trapped him in the town to reveal to him that he was a child of God. He was called to love and to peace and to joy. My friends, we are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. We do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. My friends, in this Mass, very mysteriously, through God's extraordinary grace, we are once again trapped in time. Time stops here in this Mass. We transcend time here in this Mass. Heaven and earth touch here in the heart of rested, here in this sanctuary, in this Mass. We are 
in the Garden of Gethsemane. We are at the foot of the cross. We are at the empty tomb. We are at the Mount of Ascension. Love and mercy is calling upon us here right now. Here in rest and grace is being poured upon us. My friends, let us not let this moment of grace pass. Let's not let Jesus pass without following him, following very closely to him, nothing hesitating. We come up close to the Lord. We abandon everything that keeps us from him. And we invite those we love to be on this journey of faith with us. And may God be praised. Amen.